listening to The Loft on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. This is Caleb Burmett. I am Philip Andrews. And Nick is not with us today because he has the coronavirus. Nick, I'm just kidding. He just has the flu. But we will uh, attempt to do him justice here. We've got a great episode lined up for you today. Uh, as usual, we've got some wacky news stories. This is also going to be our Valentine's Day special episode. So there will be Valentine's-related content forthcoming. And... Later on, we'll have special guest uh, Patrick Mitchell in the studio with us. Let's get started with uh, Wacky World. Wow! I don't believe it. Well, there's something you don't see every day. So our first story today is uh, North Carolina man run over by deer in McDonald's parking lot. Oh, deer. <laughs> That's why you use the drive through buddy. <laughs> um, so Ken Worthy says, quote, it was absolutely nuts. He had just finished lunch with his wife, and he says, quote, It was just a bit of brown, and then I saw his face. I was down on the ground. <laughs> that quick. End quote. And this was all caught on surveillance footage, which he recovered and saved, and now his Facebook post with that footage has over 800,000 views. And he's also glad the deer did not run into his wife or child. No kidding. And despite the buckwild collision, Ken said that he managed to save his Diet Coke from spilling. Dilly dilly. <laughs> it's probably only worth a buck, though. <laughs> well, Ken, Sorry. Said, Ken also says there's important things in your life, and Diet Coke is one of them. <laughs> I guess this adds another meaning to the term takeout order. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Um, you guys know the song, uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer? That's what this <laughs> reminds me of. That's great. All right, so I've got one. Driver caught using carpool lanes with stuffed dinosaur passenger. I don't know if you remember... What Dr. Arn had to say about uh, oh, yes. HOV lanes last week, but um, this one's pretty self-explanatory. He had a big green dino plushie the size of a person in the passenger seat, and apparently he thought yeah. that would fool him. <laughs> the driver almost got away with it, though, because he was actually pulled over for speeding instead of... Oh, so he for, did get away with it. <laughs> basically, until the officer saw that it was a plushie in the seat. Okay. <laughs> Later, the trooper pulled him over. Trooper Johnson tweeted that, quote, even if you have a favorite stuffed animal, it doesn't count as a passenger for the HOV, end quote. <laughs> Thank you, Trooper Johnson, for clearing that up. <laughs> I was uh, wondering about that. Yep. So next up, we've got New Zealand beard champion to attempt straw-stowing world record. <laughs> <laughs> so on February 23rd, Antonelli Ivanov will attempt to thread as many straws as possible through his beard in a world record attempt. Ivana will attempt to take the record from Joel Strasser, who managed to fit 312 straws in his beard in a 2018 attempt. That's a lot of straws. Wait, so how do they standardize this? I'm assuming that straws have to be exactly the same size, and like, how long do the straws have to be held? Is there a time limit? Oh. I guess it just seems really hard to like make the competition fair. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you're just splitting hairs to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Ivano is already the reigning champion of the World Beard and Mustache Championship. He said his first idea was to work in his archery hobby by attempting a record for the most arrows stowed in a beard, but he switched to the idea of straws <laughs> after discovering it was more difficult to create a new Guinness record than to break an existing one. <laughs> Dang, that's commitment right there. Yes. All right, so an Indian, Indian resident surprised to find beer, brandy, and rum mixture coming out of kitchen faucets. So residents in an Indian apartment building <laughs> discovered free mixed drinks on tap in their kitchens earlier this week. Surprising. Although not the kind anyone would be hoping for. <laughs> That's nasty. Yeah, I know. 
the, the mixture just kind of started coming out of their sinks, out of their faucets randomly one day. <laughs> just imagine the taste of beer, brandy, and rum all mixed together. <laughs> Where was it coming from, do you know? Oh, yeah. So the article said that um, 6,000 liters of confiscated alcohol that was taken on court orders was buried in a pit near the apartment building, and it had seeped out into the soil. And the apartment complex owner said that, quote, children couldn't go to school and even their parents couldn't go to work, end quote, after drinking the mixture. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, so water is actually being supplied by the government until the problem is fixed, which is good. Uh, but the article adds that, according to BBC, <laughs> the state of Kerala, which is where the apartment building was, mm-hmm. has the highest consumption of alcohol in the country. <laughs> Before this or after this? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't specify, but... I see, I see. <laughs> well, with this kind of thing happening, that certainly uh, doesn't surprise me, I guess. All right. You're listening to The Loft on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And up next, Phil is going to tell us how mathematicians and computer science may hold the secret to solving problems like Hills Dating. Some people think I'm too intellectual, but I think it's a fabulous way to spend your spare time. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Hills Dating is the term for a relationship where a guy and a girl at Hillsdale who like each other spend every waking moment together but refuse to admit or agree that they are dating. But first we need some background to this. So Brian Christian and Tom Griffiths in their book Algorithms to Live By, The Computer Science of Human Decisions, explain how the 37% rule can be applied to various optimal stopping problems commonly faced in life. So an optimal stopping problem deals with a situation in which you're trying to select the best possible candidate from some pool of possibilities, but you must accept or reject each candidate on the spot. So the rule also assumes you can only compare options relative to one another. And some natural applications of this are problems like how many times do you circle the block before pulling into a parking space? Or how far do you push your luck with a risky business venture before cashing out? And how long do you hold on for a better offer on that house or car? So let's get to the rule. It says, to have the highest chance of picking the very best candidate, you should screen and reject the first 37% of the total group. Then you follow a simple rule. You pick the next candidate who is better than anyone you've screened before. For example, applying this rule to purchasing a home in some given area, you should visit 30% of the homes without making any offers and then make an offer on the next house that's better than any of those first ones you've screened. Furthermore, if you're looking for love, between the ages of 18 and 40, the optimal stopping age to start seriously considering your future husband or wife is just past your 26th birthday, which would be 37% into the 22-year span. Before then, you'll probably miss out on higher quality partners that could still come around, but after that, good options could start to become unavailable, which would decrease your chances of finding a good match. No, finding a good partner is just like finding a good parking spot. That's, that's right. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm saying here. And, uh, of course, there's other factors such as rejection and the possibility that you could come back to offers you've previously passed up on. But these effects tend to work against each other, and so it it balances out, and 37% ends up being a pretty accurate number to go by. Okay. (laughs) Just to be clear, though, you're not advocating that anyone should strictly compute every life decision off of, like, an Excel spreadsheet, right? (laughs) No, of course not, no. Um, It's mostly just an an algorithm like this can offer interesting and useful general life perspectives, but, yeah, it's not so rigid that you have to exactly mathematically implement it. Okay, good, because that was going to be a lot of work. (laughs) Right. Um, So coming back around to Hills Dating, some people at the college here are very focused on finding their lifelong soulmate before they graduate. 
But the math would suggest that it's advantageous to save the pressure and stress until a later age. Maybe somewhere between 23 to 26 years old before you can seriously consider committing to a partner. Um, also in his book, Brian Christian goes on and explains that about a dozen studies have produced the same result. People tend to stop early, leaving better options unseen. And that tend tendency to stop early suggests another consideration that isn't taken into account in the classic version of the problem, which is the role of time. Because after all, the whole time you're searching for an apartment, a partner, or a parking space, you don't have one. And uh, what's more, you're spending your time and effort conducting the search instead of enjoying the fruits of your decision or simply doing whatever else you might have done with your time. Yeah. So assuming you're not a, a, a player. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so generally, is there any good way to tell whether you've evaluated 37% of your options? Like, how do you know when that point is? Right. Um, yeah, that, this does also assume you have a general idea of what the total size of your group is going to be. So sometimes that can be easier or harder. But yeah, you just need sort of a general estimate and take 37% of that. Okay. Thanks, Phil. That's really interesting. And you're listening to The Loft on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Speaking of love, Phil, what do you think about Valentine's Day? <laughs> Seems like a loaded question, but... I, oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Valentine's Day is a great holiday, actually. Um, it comes at a great time of the year during winter when everyone's kind of sick of the dreary gray weather, especially here in Michigan. And the the bright pink everything, I think, is a, is a good change-up. And it's... It's a holiday where it's mostly just about love and being nice to the people around you. So I support that for sure. Okay. I don't totally disagree with you, but okay. I kind of do. <laughs> All right. I don't like Valentine's Day. <laughs> Generally, I think it's too over-commercialized like many holidays. And I really think that um, a lot of people put too much emphasis on it and it ends up being just kind of like a way to kind of show off rather than actually love other people. Yeah, I, I can agree with you on the, the fact that it's over-commercialized. I think that's definitely true. But at the same time, I think fundamentally, though, it's a great opportunity to, whether you are in a relationship or not, to just be able to spread some love to the people around you, even if that's your close friends. I mean, I know a lot of my close friends write Valentines to all their friends, and that's, it, yeah, it's, I think it's just a, a charitable day in general. Um, also, I don't mind being cheesy every once in a while. <laughs> it kind of takes you back to seventh or eighth grade, and it's an, it's an opportunity to really express something genuine to the people that you care about um, and not have to be stuck in sort of the society of irony and uh, not really caring about <laughs> genuineness uh, that we <laughs> experience these days. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't know many people who want to be taken back to seventh or eighth grade. I think <laughs> that an incredibly horrible period in most people's lives. So true. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like Valentine's Day overall is just, it's just kind of overrated. And I feel like if you really love somebody, you should be treating them that way every day <laughs> and not just on Valentine's Day. So Phil, you're wrong. I disagree, but that's all right. Oh, I know you do, <laughs> but you are. I'll treat someone extra special for a day, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But why wouldn't you just treat them extra special every day? What are you, why are you holding back? Because I can't buy chocolate and flowers every day. It's expensive. So why would you just do that on Valentine's Day, then? It's basically just giving you an excuse to be nice? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, that's terrible. You should just be nice because you want to be nice, not because the government has designated a holiday for it. Fair points. Fair points. All right. Um, <laughs> you're listening to The Loft 
on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. At this point, we'd like to bring in our guest today, Patrick Mitchell, who's going to talk about St. Valentine for us on this holiday. I want to let you know that this is the Patrick Mitchell. Yes, that's right. P. Rice, Mick Mitchell, the Pope of Hillsdale. <laughs> he is the president of the Catholic Society. <laughs> and you might not know him, but if you did, you'd like him. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I'm flattered. That's quite the introduction. <laughs> Good to be on. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. So uh, what do you think about St. Valentine's Day? What do, you, what do you know about it? So he's actually a lot cooler than a lot of people realize uh, because St. Valentine's Day has become about like Cupid and love and seems kind of frilly and superficial. But St. Valentine was actually uh, quite the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's hard to pin down exactly what we can know about him. Uh, but what we do know from a lot of the legends uh, surrounding his life is he lived in the, the 200s A.D., um, and so this was under, he lived in the Roman Empire, um, he was in Rome, and this was under the rule of Emperor Claudius the Cruel. Um, so he was known, yeah, yeah, super, super <laughs> ominous. Um, you don't want that nickname. <laughs> uh, Maybe I so, do. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so he was known for his, his very, very bloody military campaigns. Um, and so obviously when you're under an emperor that's known for sending you off to brutal wars, you don't want to join the army. Uh, so he had a lot of problems trying to get men to uh, actually join the army and they didn't want to. And the reason he thought they didn't want to join was because they were too attached to their wives and families. Uh. So he did the, uh, the natural ha- or, uh, he did the natural solution and uh, made it a rule that no one could get married. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he outlawed marriage in the entire city of Rome and uh, <laughs> Valentine, who was a priest during this period, thought that this was obviously immoral. And so he would do underground marriages uh, for couples that wanted to get married during this time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so <laughs> it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet a little bit here. I feel um, like banning marriage isn't a great uh, long-term strategy no, for your country. No, no <laughs> not, not, for, not for Rome. No, not at all. Uh, didn't, last, didn't last long. Um, so... He was performing these underground marriages for quite some time until he got caught. And then uh, he was arrested, uh, put to death, and um, he was condemned to be beaten with clubs and have his head cut off. Um, so he died on, on February 14th, and that was his feast day for uh, uh, many, many hundreds of years in the church. So uh, when you're giving the special someone some flowers and chocolate, you're really celebrating the day that a guy was brutally murdered and had his head cut off. So, yeah. Yeah, just keep, <laughs> just keep thinking about that next time. The romance. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, yeah. Wait, so how did he become so attached to the idea of romantic love? Romance and love, yeah. So so there's the, there's the uh, stuff about his life, marrying the couples. But then um, people think that, a lot of it started because of Chaucer, actually, in the 14th century. So uh, he was the first one to connect it with um, with romance in particular. So uh, apparently February was the time of the year when birds and apparently humans come together and find their significant other, mate, partner, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, so he, he connected it there. But there's also a theory that um, it was meant to, St. Valentine's Day was meant to take the place of a pagan festival of love in the Roman Empire. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I've heard this classic before, strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So, uh, um, instead of the feast of Lupercalia, uh, Pope Gelasius wanted to introduce a Christian holiday to replace the Roman holiday, 
so he introduced St. Valentine's Day um, and encouraged it as a uh, more chaste form <laughs> of celebrating love <laughs> as opposed to the uh, Roman alternative. So, yeah. It's probably yeah. why October is such a popular month to have kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, yep, yep. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, besides being the patron saint of marriage and um, uh, engaged couples, he's also the patron saint of beekeeping, Epsilep- epilepsy, the plague, fainting, and traveling. <laughs> so he's got you covered. He's got a <laughs> diversified resume. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Loft on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. At this time, our producer, Rachel Kukaji, will come on and uh, introduce the game show for this week. Thank you, Phil. So this week, I've got a little bit of a Valentine's Day trivia for you. So there's six questions, and then I've got a bonus tiebreaker question if we should happen to need it. All right, number one. How many greeting cards are being exchanged industry-wide every year for Valentine's Day in the U.S.? A, 37 million, B, 76 million, or C, 144 million? Uh, I'll start. I'm going to go with C, 144 million, because I like the number 44. It's my number in soccer and hockey, so that's what I'm picking. Um, I'm also going to go with 144. You know, I, I think that's a little too high. I'm going to go B. All right. The answer is C, 144 yeah, million. Wow. I knew it. So many trees. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Remember, don't just love your partner. Love the trees, too, and don't buy a greeting card. <laughs> Cancel Valentine's Day. <laughs> Right, number it. two, the heart shape wasn't always a romantic symbol. The heart was once widely believed to be human center of what? A, creativity, B, memory, or C, insight? Ooh. Mm. I'm, I'm gut reaction. I'm feeling C, insight. That's what I was feeling too. Yeah. I feel like that would be understandable. Mm. I'll choose B on this one. Phil is correct. Yeah. It's B oh, memory. No, really? And I'm proud of myself for making up wow. the insight. Well, those <laughs> people were <dumb. laughs> Two of you. <laughs> All right. So just, just as a little bit of a reminder, the current score is Phil with two, Caleb with one, and Patrick with zero. I, th- I think this is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're just beating up yep. on our guests. <laughs> we, we, yes. we rig all our shows against the guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Round three. A 2017 study by diamond retailer James Allen found that what percent of millennials choose Valentine's Day as their top choice of day to propose or be proposed to? A, 15%. B, 28%. Or C, 47%. I'm going to go with A, 15%. Oh, it's got to be A. I think it's that's so cliche. Yeah, yeah. It's millennials no wants to do that. You're better than that. If it's anything higher. What is your guess? I, I don't think I would ever want to propose on Valentine's Day, but I'm going to say 28%. B. You guys be disappointed with millennials because it's C, 47%. No. Never. Wow. Well, we haven't Oof. come very far since we thought the heart was the well, definitely. center of knowledge or whatever. It's sure not center of creativity, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four. <laughs> what is the most popular flavor in chocolate boxes, according to the National Confectioners Association? Is it A, caramel-filled, B, chocolate-covered nuts, or C, cream-filled? I'm going to go with caramel-filled. Yep, I'm picking caramel filled too because I'm Phil. That makes sense. Yeah, I, gu- I guess I'll agree with you. I, caramel is pretty popular. 
you were right to agree with them this time because yes, it is caramel-filled. there we go. Let's go. I could have told you that without the options there. <laughs> Man. All right. Number five. According to a survey by the National Retail Federation, Americans spent $20.7 billion for Valentine's Day in 2019. How much are they expected to spend in 2020? A, $25.3 billion. B, $27.4 billion. Or C, $31.4 billion. Oh, they're all so close. Wow. Well, they're definitely broke after last year's Valentine's Day, so. Yep. Eesh. I'm going to say they're going to spend more and go with choice C, 30. Yeah, wow, that's a lot. I'll be contrary and I'll go with A. Mm, I'm going to go with C as well, actually. I think 30 billion ish sounds right. Okay. The answer is B, which none uh, of you picked. Uh, 27.4 wow. billion. Oh, and what you said about more, Phil, they're yeah. all more than yeah, the original yeah. 20.7 billion. <laughs> more, more. Like, really more. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> very more. You were all wrong. So, I think for a quick update, we have Phil at three points. And then Caleb at two and Patrick at one. On the board. All right, number six. (laughs) Galentine's Day, which is like girls' Valentine's Day, largely popular now, but was originally just a holiday made up in 2010 by what hit TV show? A, Parks and Rec, B, Friends, or C, The Office? I know this. I have very low familiarity with any of these shows. Patrick thinks he knows it. A. Parks and Rec. Final answer. <laughs> well, since he answered first, I'm also going to go with A. <laughs> Parks and Rec. Does he actually know this, though? Switch it to C at finals. <laughs> Last minute. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll, say Parks, I'll say A as well. Parks and Recreation. Patrick, you could have pulled ahead or at least caught up if you hadn't given yourself away. But Parks and Rec is mistake. correct. Oof. See, I think I think guys should make it a Palentine's Day. Ooh, yeah. Wait, what, I like that what does that idea? stand for? Just pals. Oh, we're not gals. So, Bro. unless you want to just Valentine's Day, that would be what that would do. Day. All right. So the final score is <laughs> Phil no. with Nuh-uh. four. That's pretty good. Caleb with three and Patrick with two. I feel, you know, I think this might be one of your first games you've won on this show. <laughs> this is my first time not getting last place. <laughs> oh, wow. No, only because Nick isn't here. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. All right, Caleb, uh, get us out of here. All right, that's all for this week's episode of The Loft on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Tune in next week for our next episode and go ahead and uh, listen to last week's episode if you're interested where we had Dr. Arnott as a special guest. 